Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good morning, everybody. I told you my voice was loud. I'm Wendy from Colorado. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, welcome. Uh, my co-leader is Steve from Florida. The topic we're sharing on is when I'm disturbed, the problem is me. Uh, please turn off all your electronics and do not record any of the session. Uh, let's see, we are live streaming today, so in the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this session is being streamed live on the internet around the globe. In addition, it is also being recorded. The streaming and recorder will not be turned off during this session. If you do not wish to be live streamed or recorded, but need to share, we encourage you to ten- attend another non-streamed, non-recorded meeting. Please do not touch the recording equipment. When it is time to share, come up front and sit next to us, lined up, to use the microphone. Please leave the microphone on the table, and don't touch it, because it makes noise on the recording. Uh, Let's begin with a moment of silence for all those who are still suffering or unable to attend, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will, not mine, be done. Okay. So again, our topic is when I am disturbed, the problem is me. Uh, Both of us will share for about five minutes or so about the topic and how it applies in our lives in recovery. Um, And then we'll open up the meeting for everybody else to share. Uh, we'll each we'll give you guys each two minutes for now. Um, we may cut that back if we don't like your share. But <laughs> okay, and um, Steve's going to keep time for us today. So. Um, okay, so I'll go ahead and start with my share. Um, When I am disturbed, the problem is me. This was a hard, hard concept (laughs) for me to accept. Um, Usually even when I'm not disturbed, the problem is still me. And it's only a matter of time before I cause a disturbance. (laughs) So (laughs) I have to keep myself in check and and keep close to my higher power um, to remind myself exactly who I am. No matter where I go, there I am. (laughs) My dad used to say that all the time. And um, it's so applicable to me in this program. Um, I was in therapy one time, and my therapist said, uh, so, Wendy, if you're over here and a fight breaks out and you leave, and then you go over here and a fight breaks out and you leave, 
and then you go over here and a fight breaks out, there is one common denominator here. <laughs> uh, you know, any disturbance in my life, I am the common denominator. It's me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I have a big ego, so it's really hard to admit that it's me that's the problem. You know, I want to be part of the solution today. So um, I was looking up uh, ego because, like I said, that is one of my main character defects. And ego, I found out, is a Latin word for I. Never knew that. It makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I mean, I was so full of myself, I'm surprised I didn't explode. Like, Actually, I guess I did <laughs> when I hit bottom. But um, And also ego is edging God out. So if I'm doing that, if I'm in ego, pretty soon I'm going to be disturbed because I'm not with God. I'm not in my higher power. I'm not doing what God would have me do. Um, it's a whole new concept. It's a new concept to me that there is a power greater than me that can take care of me. I always took care of myself. I was the only God in my life. Um and he gave me everything that I needed that I didn't know I needed. So, I, I mean, I was, it was really a great discovery for me, I guess, to have a concept of a higher power. I didn't have any religion or spirituality in my background, in my growing up. So I kind of had a benefit for that where I was, I had a chance to make a higher power of my own understanding. So that was nice. Um, so once I took myself and my huge ego out of the driver's seat, I discovered it was really nice to be a passenger. <laughs> I, I didn't, I didn't have to be in control anymore. It was, um, learning to live life on life's terms. Um, so no matter what the problem is, I am not the solution. God is the solution. Um, he has the answer key for the test that we're all on today. And you all pass, by the way. <laughs> um, so even justified anger is not good for me, any kind of disturbance at all. And I can justify any anger. I can justify any behavior, any words. Um, so I can't be justified anger because that's... Again, I'm the common denominator. <laughs> I'm the one who's angry, and I'm the one who's disconnected from my higher power and from my fellows. Uh, and because I always still think I'm right, <laughs> no matter what. Um, and I'm pretty much often wrong, or as I tell my husband, less right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and, and it even applies in my life, like things like driving, for instance. I'm, I'm not going to talk about the drivers in Colorado in a bad way, but, um, you know, if I'm, somebody cuts me off in traffic and I'm angry and how could they do that? And I'm driving like this and that person is going, la, la, la. You know, driving down the road. <laughs> so, you know, and maybe, I don't know, I mean, maybe she's got a kid to go pick up, or, you know, maybe she's 
got dementia and doesn't know where she's going. I don't know. The, the point is, it's not up to me to be angry at her and or whoever it is. And I have found, and this, oh, I just thought of this. I had a perfect example of this. Um, I was driving, and a guy just sped right up and cut me off. And in my head, I was like, what a jerk. How could that guy do that? I mean, I'm, I almost hit him. And it dawned on me that when I pray for the people I resent, the resentment is relieved. And in my head, I was like, just let him get to where he goes. I was praying, God, let him get to where he needs to go. Get, and in my mind, I was thinking, what an asshole. How could, you know, but I just kept praying it. I just kept saying it, even though the voices in my head were telling me not to and that he didn't deserve it. After I did it a couple of times, I was much better. I, mean, I wasn't disturbed again because I was in connection with my higher power. <sighs> so today, God has given me tools to use against my ego. Um, I can slow down. I can pause. I can change my attitude to one of service. If I'm feeling disturbed, my attitude of service is going to really um, help that. I'm not, I mean, I'm just a conduit for God's love. I'm not here to judge or criticize or cut people off in traffic. Um, I use the serenity prayer a lot, but what I do is I pause after each phrase. So I'll say, God, grant me the serenity. And then I'll say, I really want serenity. And then I'll say, um, to accept the things I cannot change. So what am I trying to change right now? And what is the message that I'm getting <laughs> that I can't change this right now? And um, the courage to change the things I can, that's the part about praying for people I resent. That's for me in this particular topic anyway. Um, that's the part that I can change. My attitude. My attitude is what's really important in this situation. And um, the wisdom to know the difference, for me, that just means I am not God. Not God. I have to know the difference between what I can and can't change. So um, I'll just go ahead and wrap up here. I think my time's getting up. Um, so before recovery, I lived in a constant state of disturbance. Um, I had a knot in my stomach the whole time. So today, I know that humility is a pathway to peace in everything I do. Um, when I'm disturbed, I get to go to God immediately now. I don't, didn't used to do that, but now, just like with the prayer in the car, I can immediately go to God and ask, what's the message? You know, what am I, what am I supposed to see here? Um... So I think that's pretty much it for my notes. Thanks for letting me share and being here and being part of my recovery. I'm going to pass it over to Steve. Hi, I'm Steve, a recovering sexaholic. Hi, Steve. Uh, my sobriety date's November 4th, 2014. And um. I'm going to begin by reading from the AA Big Book, page uh, 417. Um, 
And acceptance, everyone's heard this probably, and acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. Um, so in thinking about this topic, when I was asked to um, share on it, um, I, I really don't like um, the idea that I'm supposed to not be disturbed. Um, and it, it made me think about what is disturbance. You know, it's not an emotion in and of itself. And for me, um, disturbance is a mixture of things, um, fear, anger, um, resentment, anxiety, um, arrogance, superiority is mixed in with all of that. And, um, you know, it, part of me wants to say you have every right to be disturbed at certain times. I mean, there are bad things that happen. In the world, there's evil out there, and if I remain undisturbed, doesn't evil somehow win, you know? And if someone wronged me, um, aren't they getting away with it if I don't get disturbed about it and then act on the disturbance? And the problem in thinking that way is that there's a lot of me mixed into all of that. And I think if there were a way for me to separate all of those mixed emotions um, with the facts, which usually speak for themselves, um, then probably would become a lot clearer, but I can't do that because that's um, the way that I am and my character defects. And, um, you know, interestingly, shortly after I began thinking about what I wanted to say here, I had the opportunity to um, uh, go to a museum in another city where um, it focuses on a really dark period of our country where a lot of bad things happen to a group of people. And um, as I was walking through and seeing all these things and becoming very disturbed, I thought, okay, here it is. This is a thing I can be disturbed about without, you know, feeling like it's my problem. And um, and then it was back to me again, you know. And, and again, I was putting myself in a situation where I'm incapable, in a sense, of doing evil like that. And um, in reality, in my addiction, I'm, in, I'm capable of a lot of evil and have done a lot of evil. And so, again, it brought me back to I really am the problem. Um, so uh, the, the, the best thing for me to do is to rethink the whole idea of disturbance and what do I do with it when I feel it and when I experience it. And um, what would represent sanity for me in situations where historically I've been disturbed? And um, the question becomes for me, can I truly remain undisturbed in times when I used to really become disturbed? And can I truly change? And, of course, the reality is not in my own power. But if I, you know, look at steps two and three and believe that God can and will, if I ask him, he can change me so that I can be undisturbed when I would otherwise be disturbed. And... um I will sort of end with saying that the area of my life where this is um, best worked is um, with my wife because um, uh, she will do things that um, disturb me, you know, um, if I'm honest. Um, go figure, right? Um, and is there ever a place for me to better work my program than with her? And... Um, you know, again, the disturbance is a mixture of anger, resentment, 
judgment, fear. And um, so uh, the solution for me requires an awareness of the disturbance. Um, owning it is mine, and clearly it is mine because, I mean, talk about the arrogance of me thinking that I actually know what it is that she needs to do, think, or say. I mean, I'll tell myself I do, but that's insanity. And um, in that place of awareness, no matter how seemingly justified it may be or seem to be at that time, to reject the disturbance as toxic for me, as toxic as lust is, and to um, surrender and pray and ask God to come in and to take it from me. And I have to be willing to give it away and give it up and not hold on to the disturbance. Um, and by the way, I wouldn't become disturbed and stay in the disturbance if it didn't do something for me, right? And so I get something out of that. I don't even know what that is, and I don't need to try to figure it out, but I just know that it's not good for me and it's wrong and to let it go. So um, in doing this, um, I truly believe that I can move to a place of serenity and um, can remain free and um, sober and to reach out to others, um, especially my wife, and um, love them well and to serve them well. And uh, with that, I'll close. Thanks for letting me share. Okay, um, so you now have the opportunity to share with the group. Please focus on the topic of the meeting, which is when I'm disturbed, the problem is me. Like sharing in any essay meeting, please limit your sharing to the topic. Avoid explicit description or distracting comments and focusing on the solution rather than the problem. Please do not share anything that legally would have to be reported to the authorities. Please line up to our left in the chairs that are positioned here so we don't have to wait for each person to come up. Please speak loud enough for all to hear. You will each have two minutes to share. I'll place the microphone near this chair, and please don't touch um, or move the microphone. I'm Steve, and I'm a sexaholic. Hello, Steve. And uh, I'm probably worse than most of you guys, so... Uh, you think you're bad, but uh, I was a religious fanatic, and uh, but I couldn't control my lust. And I, I taken, uh, was molested when I was younger, and then raped at 15, and started molesting little girls. But but the thing is, is when we get to this topic here, it's important to think about where the rubber meets the road. You know, we can talk all over the place, but if we think about it, when anything disturbs us. If somebody comes up and says, I don't like certain things about you or what, we want to get all upset and what, and it's with me. That's what I would do. And I couldn't control my anger because I didn't like people telling me off or telling, cussing me out. But I found out if I just shut up and take, I get, you got 417, that's 416 and 17, I like. And then 552 in the big book of AA is resentments. Pray for that person what you'd want for yourself. And it says start out with you, even if you didn't want to. And I did this, and I got doing this, and I had people pretty well rough me up with words at times because of what I did. But I could take and forgive them, and I could go on. I say, okay, when they get, I say, you done? Yeah, I'll pray about it, and I walk away from them not mad. I found out I didn't have to get angry, and that's only been the last six years. And here I've got fifteen years sober, you know. I'm still growing in recovery, but what I found is when I don't like something in somebody else, 
is because I didn't I didn't like it myself. I could say I didn't like you lying to me because I lied. And I could tell you about it and tell you off, but I was the one that was causing the problem. See, and I, that's where the rubber meets the road. It's, it's what I see something wrong in somebody else. It's in me also, and I just got to take and, take and ask God to help me work on that too. Thanks, Dean. Thank you. I'm Jim, and I'm a disturbed sexaholic. I've been sexually sober for 12 years, and... Um, and I'm less disturbed today than I was 12 years ago. That's for sure. But I'm disturbed every day. I could, when, as soon as we, I knew I was coming to this topic as soon as I read about it. And I was thinking while I was sitting out there, yeah, I was disturbed about this when I woke up. And yeah, I was disturbed about that when I went to bed last night. And, and so, you know, I have little disturbances that, that keep, I think that I think they keep me sober because I found a solution and it keeps me working. Um, so you know, I guess it's not all bad. I uh, I'm real I'm a real sensitive guy, and and if somebody says something, I was in a group meeting yesterday with about six of us, and one and a person said something, and I thought that it kind of undercut me, and uh, and. Um, and so, and so I became disturbed about that. And then, and then I prayed about it last night. And I, and I'm going to talk to somebody, another sexaholic today and decide whether it's worth me even bringing it to that person or not. You know, sometimes, sometimes sharing and whining, I get confused. Yeah. I want to, I want to. I like to share my stuff until, you know, and state my case. And but when is it? When does it turn into whining? You know, I you know I have, and that's why I need other people. I am so grateful that I have thirteen sponsees. I have a sponsor that I call, and I have a therapist that I go to once a month, and I have thirteen sponsees, and most of them, most of them call me, and sometimes, sometimes a sponsee will call me, and in the in the first of the conversation, they'll ask me how I'm doing. Man, the, it's off. I, you know, they don't have a time. They don't have any chance to talk. <laughs> Is that my time? Thanks. Thanks. Good morning. Uh, my name is uh, James B, and I am a grateful recovering uh, sexaholic. Um, I can I can uh, identify with disturbance because. Uh, I live with a condition known as autism spectrum disorder, so my ability to process and regulate emotions is compromised to some extent. So it's very easy for me to come become disturbed. Uh, as little as something, lo- somebody looking at me wrong is apt to prompt a disturbance. Uh, and that was a, that made that made my uh, recovery a little bit more challenging than what uh, than 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 what most uh, than what most of us have. Um, but I found the key to uh, accepting what I can't control is through the beauty of surrender. Uh, when I get out of myself and I no longer have this need to be right, I no longer have this need to have all the answers at this point in time, and it's okay if I don't, uh, my attitude turns towards surrendering God and less towards me because uh, when I was king of my own kingdom, my kingdom was in shambles. And... Uh, and th- that's when I learned and started to learn the art of surrender, which is always a work in progress and it's never a finished product. 
uh, you get it becomes easier and it's a little bit less awkward each and every time I choose to surrender something that disturbs me, especially surrendering rights to be resentful of or envious of or uh, trying to one up or you know or one up my fellows. Uh, and it all goes back to changing those uh, old, distorted, and skewed attitudes. Because life is only one percent of what happens to me. The other ninety-nine percent is how I choose how I choose to interpret what's going on, and what type of attitude toward the situation that I have. Those are the only things I can control. The only things I ever will be able to control. And just on the way down here, uh, my wife, we had an incident where where a guy cut us off, and I didn't do anything. I didn't even tap the horn. And my wife shouts, you dumb expletive at the top of her lungs. She looks at me like, what's your problem? What's the problem, James? She almost, he almost hit us. And I said, Barb, when you're disturbed, the problem isn't him. It's you. And she sat there, and you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> <laughs> so I've had an opportunity, a unique opportunity to put that in practice. It almost got me kicked out of the hotel room last night, but that's another story for another time. Marty, I'm, Marty, I'm grateful. Um, I, um, I know when I'm, I'm not right. You know, and when I'm disturbed, uh, and I got a sponsor, I got I got one of these cell phones. I keep it in my pocket, and I call somebody. I mean, it's right there in my pocket. You know, I mean, so I I really don't have any excuse. I don't have much trouble at home because uh, I cut my wife a lot of slack because I did. She, you know, I did some terrible stuff. But at work, um, I catch myself getting all wound up. And what I do is I make sure I go on break at least every two hours. Or if I'm catching myself getting wound up, just go on break, and then it'll take me down about three notches. You know, and I, I, I learned that from going to meetings. That's all I got. Hi, I'm Emily. I'm a sexaholic. Um, I think of myself as a pretty peaceful person. Um, I can insulate and isolate because I'm a nice person as long as people aren't around. Um, <laughs> I think I'm a really great person. People aren't around. Um, it made me think of like the do not disturb sign you put on the door and, um, like, people interrupt my rest um, and how like I can be in a false sense of peace. And so like, I need to be disturbed. Um, I need to be disruptive so that I can, it's like an invitation to true peace and true rest. Um, and that's all. Thanks. Hi, my name is Madison. I'm a sex talk. Um, so yeah. Similar to the previous share, you know, when I'm all alone, I'm just fine, you know. But um, it, it wasn't until I got married that I was really forced to work through being in a relationship with someone else. And then I found out that I actually have a whole bunch of issues. Um, yeah. And um, it's been a long process. It's, it's, um, but there, one point I've seen a, a huge change for me is when I managed to make some progress in surrendering my pride. Um, 
I was actually one defect I was very reluctant to get rid of because I thought it was useful. Um, I thought it could inspire me to do incredible things, you know? Um, but somehow or another, I made some progress on it and it made a huge difference in my relationship. Um, because I would get really defensive really easy. Um, and if I can let go of that and just listen, um, lots of times I'll find out my wife is either agreeing with me or she's talking about something that's not even related to me. It's, it's, you know, her own issue or someone else's issue or whatever. Um, and when I cannot react in anger, um, then I can hopefully understand her and she can hopefully understand me, um, at least a lot better than she would have if I got angry. So that's my share. Hi. Hi, very recovering sexaholic. Thanks for your leadings. Hi. Um, what was coming up for me when, uh, when I'm disturbed because I have been disturbed, meditation has actually helped me a lot with it not being disturbed because what I've found is what's happening is while I'm meditating, it's like that's the time that God gets to like operate on me and take out these defects. And I wasn't able to meditate for like more than five minutes. And then I just became open to it. And I was been meditating for an hour every day. And, um, I didn't meditate yesterday and I didn't meditate this morning. And, um, and yesterday my disturbance, I thought was my children, but my disturbance was really me. And I shared about this at the other meeting, but what I've been recognizing is that the disturbance is actually a character defect. And what has been coming up for me is also a situation that I had at work where I actually was supposed to be promoted and that some, the CEO put some, uh, guy in. It was, it was a whole situation. Um, I work in a religious institution. They were not used to having women business managers. And, um, I remember just going, I was like talking to the person that was helping me who was a man, which was actually really helpful for me. And I was just saying like, this is wrong. This is like I was so mad and he's like okay but you have to calm down first like you can't you have a lot of self-righteous indignation and I was like he's not even in program like how does he know that that's what I have you know (laughs) and so so what happened was is because I'm in recovery like thank God and you know I was able to hear what he said and I took an hour and I meditated and I came back and I even realized I didn't have to deal with it right now and I dealt with it later and what happened was is it's the defect of character which is blocking me from the ability to solve my problems and so when God took that the defect when I meditated was my surrender and it was taken and I calmed down and I was able to deal with it the next day by the way I got the promotion and the raise I'm Tracy and I'm a sexaholic and um, I've lived a very disturbed life I can remember when I was a little kid um, we would see something that was out of character or something in a shopping or something and I'd ask my mom about this person and she'd say oh they're disturbed they're disturbed and that was her explanation for everything well, I never realized how right she was until I got into recovery. And um, so I've, when I first heard the concept of when I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me, I really did not want to accept it because part of my addiction was running from myself and not looking at my true self in the mirror. So this was just another layer of the onion that I had to peel away and look at myself and stare at myself and get the magnifying mirror, get the lighted magnifying mirror and and see what was wrong with me. And um, it's been very beneficial. I still struggle with it. 
And um, I wanted to read, there, this was really meaningful to me because, um, and I can't remember what S program it was. I think it may have been ACA, but it's their version of the serenity prayer. And it says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change the one I can, and the wisdom to know that one is me. And so I'm the person I can change. I can't do anything about um, any of you guys, and I'm sorry about that, but because <laughs> obviously you need a lot of help. But, but I'm, I'm powerless. But don't forget the part of the serenity prayer I'm always reminded of. Uh, accept the things you cannot change, the courage to change the things you can. Uh, yesterday I was very disturbed about the way my room was set up in the St. Charles room before my, I had to co-chair a meeting. And so the, the table was off-center. And so I thought, I can, I can move the table to the center, and, and hopefully the table Nazis won't come in and get me. And, um, and so I changed that, and I was a lot calmer. Thanks. Shmuel sexaholic. My wife's going to like what I'm going to say now. Um, what is it I'm keep checking my cell phone and keep going back to my cell phone and keep checking my cell phone? to the news, to the email, to the text, to the WhatsApp, to the Facebook, to the news. Maybe something happened in the world. Maybe I got an important email. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I forgot something. Let me check my phone. Um, is it fear? I'm thinking out loud. I'm not even sure myself, but I believe it's some type of disturbance. Um, my wife's pointing out very kindly that I'm a cell phone addict. And yeah, it it boils down to a disturbance, I believe, inside. But I'm praying for willingness to realize it and accept it and just not living in the present. Um, in my few years of recovery, a big part of it, I realized I'm always putting on music in the shower, the bathroom, while driving. In the shower, for example, I'm playing music because if not, my head's going to work, this racing and disturbance. And it's a, just a place for me to take inventory. Um, I will just say I'm standing up here to get up and a member looks at me and smiles. And he's like, are you going to say the story what happened between us yesterday? And I guess I will. And that's basically, I met this member ago, probably three years ago at a convention I thought he was around before me. I kind of said, hello, what's your name maybe? Oh, yeah, I've been around for a while. In my mind, he kind of snubbed me out. So since then, I never went back over. I always kind of, hmm, to him. He comes over to me last night. He's like, you know, I'm really intimidated from you. Um, it seems like you're hot, whatever, so. But um, I just wanted to um, break that fear, what I have from you. In my mind, he was being mean to me. In his mind, I was being mean to him. We're both the problem with this two, so I'd say babies, frightened babies, thinking at the other ones, snubbing them out. Thanks for listening. Good morning. My name is Jordan Grace of the Coving Sexaholic. Thank you, everybody, for your share. I really appreciate. And till I learned what disturbed means, I was disturbed. And... It was very, very healing for me when I was riding my fourth step until I learned, which was about, 
I don't know. I have shame to say that I learned disturbed, that I learned the word disturbed six months ago. But this is, this is when I felt it. I'm disturbed. I walk into my house, I'm disturbed, and everybody's going to suffer from it. And what really hit me, when I really felt, the next step was, after I discovered what disturbed means, I was driving that Wednesday, I think it was, in the car, and that thought, this is what I really appreciate when you mentioned the voices in my head, that thought comes in Wednesday, Okay, so this week and Friday we're going to go here, we're going to go Saturday there, we're going to go Saturday night there and Sunday there. So between a blink of an eye, I made up a whole plan for the weekend, and my wife doesn't know about it, I know about it. <laughs> so I come home and I'm telling her, oh, so can we go away for the weekend, and we're going to go, and she's like, yeah, sure, you know, the way sex, the way I do it is I give her that phase that I'm taking away the right from her to give her even a chance to think what we're going to do. You know, I'm painting it up and making it look good. And this is when I rape her. I robbed her emotions, I robbed her everything. And, okay, she goes, she goes with the flow. And so we're packing up, and, like, right, when you, right before you want to leave, everything gets cooked up and boiled up. And I'm like, and she gets all angry and, I don't know, everything gets bubbled up. And I'm like, what's wrong? Didn't we plan this together? <laughs> and I'm realizing that I totally robbed her from her, what she wants to do. And, and I realize it's me. I made this plan in my head and that's how it's going to be. So thank you for letting me share. I'm Steve from San Diego. I'm a sexaholic in January 07. Uh, you know, one of the things I've worked out, my wife and I are going to be married 50 years next month. And the, and the thing that, well, the thing that's helped it out is she now understands that she's always wrong and I'm always right. And uh, don't tell her that, however. But uh, the good news topic, this is a good news topic, and I didn't understand it until my sponsor said, the good news is I'm the problem. That's the good news. Because if you're the problem... There's nothing I can do about it. And you were always the problem. And, uh, and, I, and I was always right. And there's an expression, would you rather be right or happy? And the answer is yes to both. <laughs> but you only get to pick one, I guess. You know, so realizing that uh, no matter what happens, let's just say somebody just absolutely comes at you. They're 100% wrong. Don't I have a right? You know, the big book says we're not anybody's doormat. Don't I have a right to stand up for myself? I suppose so, but my part of that is how do I do that? I'm 100% responsible for my side of the equation. They may have been 100% just a jerk, but how do I respond to that? Do I stand there and go jerk to jerk, you know, and we're just going to fight each other? Just say, you know what, what happened here has made me a little upset, and I just need to walk away from this and kind of gather myself together. I have a response, and there's a healthy response, and there's an unhealthy response, and I'm responsible for that action. This is an action program. And do I take healthy action or unhealthy action? And when I say to my sponsor, he said, I didn't do anything wrong. He said, did you watch what you said after you said that to that person? You may have not started it, but what was your part in the play? Well, it was righteous indignation. Or was it, I'll pray for you, I'll easily back out of this, I'll write my sponsor. And the, that whining thing somebody mentioned sometime was either here or the next meeting that my sponsor said, well, you got a problem, you tell me once, you tell the meeting once, and then you're done. 
And then the next time you talk about it, I want you to talk about the solution. Because every time I talk about it, meeting after meeting, it gets embellished. And the story gets bigger and better. So tell it once is what he told me. Thank you. I'm Hugh, a grateful recovered sexaholic. I've been, been sober since uh, November 16th of 09. Uh, before I came in the program, I didn't know that I was disturbed. I wouldn't recognize it because I used everything and anything not to be disturbed. That was a feeling I did not want, I did not want to have, so I, I, I denied it, shoved it down, did whatever I had to with it. After coming into the program and beginning to just uh, the first thing that I saw happen was uh, road rage, and I thought, where did that come from? I never had that before. The only thing was I didn't recognize I had it before because I didn't feel it before. I did it, but I didn't know I was doing it. So this program has been a gift of life to me because it's been a uh, process since coming in the door of learning when I'm disturbed, what's going on, and then learning how to surrender it to God. I'll tell you a little funny story that happened on the way to the convention. Uh, I went to the airport. Uh, our plane was very full. Uh, they mentioned about you might want to check your bag. And so I said, oh, okay, I'll check my bag. I don't usually do that. I carry it on so I don't have to. Give her my ticket, put the ticket thing on, go down to the end of the runway and hand it, on, hand it off to the guy get here, and I uh, came with a couple other guys. Uh, they get their luggage, and mine's not there. It's not there. It's not there. So I go over to them, and they said, oh, it went to Houston. <laughs> so uh, that would have disturbed me very greatly before. I just looked at them. I said, okay, uh, what do we do? And so they told me where to go. I went over and did it. And uh, one of the guys that came with us was my sponsor, and he told me before, uh, afterwards, he said, you handled that very calmly. He said, I know you wouldn't have done that a few years ago. So thank God for this program, because it allows me to have a life. Hi, I'm Kyle. I'm a sexaholic. Uh, thanks for letting me share. Um, it's no wonder that I'm an addict and I, I'm only coming to learn this recently, but I just, I really have lived in a state of disturbance. Um, it's a spectrum really. Uh, a lot of it is very low level where I'm just angry at organizations, um, especially any sort of authority, police, government, on uh, corporations, whatever store I'm in, they're doing something wrong. There's something, you know, I could do better and, so that's a low level, and that even kind of feels good to, you know, well, if, if I was running this grocery store, I would, you know, just ridiculous things. It doesn't matter where I am. But then there's a, there's much more intense levels, and I say it's no wonder because I'm just never at peace. Um, I received a phone call from my wife in the short space in between meetings this past meeting, and she hurt her back. Um we're both young and like have had relatively few health issues. And it's like, it's a silly thing to even fret about. She just, she may have injured a disc, but it's not like in a few weeks she'll be fine. She just has to go to the chiropractor. But for me, I just cannot handle that. Like I, I just do not have the tools to handle that. So I sat out there and normally what I would do is tell her that she's, um, 
her pain tolerance is so low, you know, like things happen. Why, you know, I, I, I'll beat her up kind of over and I feel, I feel guilty and shameful over it. But, you know, if I had that, I would just not talk about it. Why does she have to like, I want her to talk about it on some level so I can help. But on another level, when I hear it, I cannot handle it. And the problem is with me. And so thankfully this time, you know, I didn't say anything except for just, I'm sorry, honey, which is kind of, that's about all I really have to to offer, but I guess that's all I really should offer. And I have to figure out and really work through what's wrong with me that that's so disturbing to me because it's not empathy. It's just, it breaks something inside of me, just a little hurt back. So thanks for letting me share. My name is Dale, and I'm a sexaholic. And I really like this topic. When I first came into the program, it's the very first thing I heard. And all my life, I never thought of myself as self-centered, but I always saw myself as a victim. And poor me, and on and on and it went. And this was really eye-opening for me because it actually made me look at me. And I had to look at every argument I ever got into, every disturbance I ever got into, and I found sometimes it was just a raise of an eyebrow that set somebody off because that was that was a trigger for them. Or I would be sarcastic or things along that line. And I will share that I have a daughter that lives in St. Louis, and I came into town, and I was expecting to see her. And we have talked every Tuesday for four years and recently, we haven't been talking, and I uh, I contacted her this Tuesday, and she said, I can't talk right now, maybe later, uh, and I sent her a text saying, hey, I'm free now, and she said, I sent you an email and said everything I need to say. Apparently, she does not want to have a relationship with me because I am not meeting her expectations as a father, and I was really confused, and my mind went, how could she do this to me? What did I do? How do I fix this? All, all sorts of alarms went off in me, codependence and things like that. And then I thought back, I did this to my own parents. I didn't talk to them for 10 years because they didn't meet my expectations. And it took me to work the four step to realize that. And now I realize that my parents love me. They always love me to the best of their abilities. And uh, I'm in St. Louis, and I will see my mom, which is great. And I'm really looking forward to that. And when I look back at my daughter's email, I can see that she is me. And it will take time, and as long as I accept this and uh, respect her wishes, it will work out in God's way. I don't understand it right now, but I will trust that uh, it will be beautiful when it's over. Thanks. Okay, uh, our time is up. Thanks for uh, everyone's share and um, the great attendance at this meeting. And um, anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. Let's all stand and um, hold hands and say the uh, third step prayer.
to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help. By power, by love, and thy way of life, may I do thy will always. supposed to take attendance and um, I have no idea how many people are here. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.